The critical point in time of mankind's whole existence is there, right there. Prime physicist Skandos slashed his red pencil across the black trace of the chronoviagram. Why must man be so stupid? Anyone with three brain cells working should know that for the strength of an individual, he should be fed, not bled. That for the strength of a race, its virgins should be bred, not sacrificed to propitiate figmental deities. And it would be so easy to straighten things out. Nowhere in all reachable time does any other one man occupy such a tremendously, such a uniquely keystone position. Easy, yes, his assistant Furman agreed. It is a shame to let Tedric die with not one of his tremendous potentialities realized. It would be easy and simple to have him discover carburization and the necessary techniques of heat treating. That freak meteorite need not lie there unsmelted for another seventy years. However, simple carburization was not actually discovered until two generations later by another smith in another nation. And you know, Skandos, that there can be no such thing as a minor interference with the physical events of the past. Any such, however small-seeming, is bound to be catastrophically major. I know that, Skandos scowled blackly. We don't know enough about time. We don't know what would happen. We have known how to do it for a hundred years, but have been afraid to act, because in all that time no progress whatever has been made on the theory. He paused, then went on savagely. But which is better? To have our entire time track snapped painlessly out of existence, if the extremists are right, or to sit helplessly on our fat rumps, wringing our hands, while we watch civilization build up to its own total destruction by lithium tritide bombs? Look at the slope of that curve. Ultimate catastrophe is only 187 years away. But the council will not permit it, nor would the school. I know that, too. That is why I am not going to ask them. Instead, I'm asking you. We, too, know more of time than any others. Over the years, I have found your judgment good. With your approval, I will act now. Without it, we will continue our futile testing. Number 811 is running now, I believe, and are aimless drifting. You are throwing the entire weight of such a decision on me? In one sense, yes. In another, only half, since I have already decided. Go ahead. So be it. Tedrick. Awaken. The Lomarian Iron Master woke up, not gradually and partially like one of our soft modern urbanites, but instantaneously and completely, as does the mountain wildcat. At one instant he lay completely relaxed, sound asleep. 
At the next, he had sprung out of bed, seized his sword, and leaped halfway across the room. Head thrown back, hard blue eyes keenly alert, sword arm rock steady, he stood there, poised and ready. Beautifully poised upon the balls of both feet, supremely ready to throw into action every inch of his six feet four, every pound of his two hundred plus of hard meat, gristle, and bone. So standing, the smith stared motionlessly at the shimmering, almost invisible thing hanging motionless in the air of his room and at its equally tenuous occupant. I approve of you, Tedric. The thing, apparition, whatever it was, did not speak, and the Lomarian did not hear. The words formed themselves in the innermost depths of his brain.